a hundred percent did you have an affair if you happen like if neil came home <laughs> megan mm -hmm. crawled into bed was like his business time and you're mm -hmm. like i'm a little sleepy but i'll give it up i'm going mm -hmm. for it this was okay you had some new moves that was interesting mm -hmm. and the next morning he wakes up and was like what happened i had my soul infected and someone else roger g yeah no didn't i didn't she. do anything Anyang SAO, welcome to Afternoon of Delight, where Leah, Megan, and Amy, romance novelists, and your K romance guides. So grab some deck bokeh and listen to your new favorite unease. Hey, everybody. Hello. Hi there. All right. So this is going to be a very meaty pod. We have a lot to say about the drama we're talking about tonight. But we always start off with a little bit of lighthearted banter. And I've been saving this one this week because something happened to me on so i had a very monday monday we record on wednesdays but mondays like this was the mondayest monday i've ever had and so my husband monday morning we're trying to like get three kids out the door to school myself off to work and then you know my husband works in a closet since covid so he's trying to get to his closet <laughs> so you know these are a busy time and he bikes the girls to school on um, Monday morning, like on every morning. He has an electric bike, a big cargo minivan bike, and he likes to bike the girls to school. I don't know if they like it, but he likes it. So he went outside with his giant bike to get them to school. And I was like, oh, he's got the car keys. And, you know, I've got to like do my thing. And so I went out on the front porch and I was like, you know, yoo-hoo. I'm like, by the way, you have the car keys. Do you mind just sticking them in the mailbox? And then I'll just grab them when I go out the door and like be on my way. And my husband turns around. And he's like, no, no. He's like, I got you. I'm just going to throw these at you. And as he says it, I was like, no, no, please don't. Because first, I don't want anyone to throw fucking shit at me when I'm on a second story balcony. Secondly, I can't catch good. <laughs> and thirdly, like, it's just not good practice. Like, just stick it in the mailbox. So I'm trying to say no, no. But the keys are already in the air. <laughs> what happens is the keys fly past my plane of vision and they go onto our roof. No. Onto our second story roof. And we have a tall, like we're a small house, but we're skinny and tall. Nick. <laughs> so the keys are on the roof, <laughs> roof of our home. I would have killed him. What, was his, was, what like, was his face when he saw this happen? His face went from like smiling to crestfallen. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't, I'm a pretty, like, I would say I'm the one that doesn't get too worried at home about things. I was not my best self this day. I was just like, what the F has just happened? Yeah. And why are the keys on the roof? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so upset because the only person who's going to go on the roof is to get them is him. And I'm like, you know, this is not the day I want you, like, falling off the roof either. Right. So I had spare keys. I went to work. And then while I was at work, I found some levity and I texted him like, okay, it is actually kind of funny that you threw the keys in the roof. And he's like, yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> and so <laughs> then I got home and he was borrowing the ladder from the neighbor. The neighbor had like a construction ladder because our, our house, like I said, we don't have a big house, but it's narrow and tall. Yeah. And so I watched Nick like climbing up onto the roof and I was like, I'm just going to block this out of my mind. And I just want to amend this to say the last time Nick was on the roof was during the fire, the California fires of 2020, which made the news and they were a big deal. Nick went on the roof at that point, um, which I didn't feel great about because again, if he fell, like he would die basically. <laughs> and so I evacuated with my kids and I was like, please do not go on the roof. At this point, the gutters have sailed 
they are what they are, but don't go on the roof. So I was um, driving with my kids further in town, like in Santa Cruz, where we had evacuated to. And he called and he's like, just, you know, I've been on the roof and I've cleaned the gutters. Like exactly what he had said he wouldn't do. And I wasn't happy. So as I was driving, I was unhappy that this happened. And I was letting him know that I was really unhappy he had made this choice in like less charitable ways than I'm using now. And a police officer threw their lights on behind me. And so I get pulled over. And this is like, you know, our our town was in disaster mode. Like there's smoke everywhere. It was just like a shit show. A police officer comes up to the window and I'm just, he's like, do you know why I'm pulling you over? I'm like, honestly, I have no idea what happened. I'm like, did I run a stoplight? Like, I don't know what happened. He's like, do you mind getting out of the car for me? So I get out of the car. He goes, how much have you had to drink today? <laughs> and I was like, uh, nothing. I'm like with my kids and we were just down like by the beach looking at the fire. And he's like, he starts to have me do a sobriety test. He's like, you know, can you like walk in what? the line? Can you touch your nose? And I'm like doing it. I'm like, do you mind just telling me like, what? Like, why am I doing this? Like, what happened? Yeah. He's like, first, you were in a 30 mile per hour lane and you were driving seven miles an hour. Secondly, <laughs> <laughs> you were swerving all over the road. So you're yelling at your husband at seven <laughs> miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Can I give you some context, sir? I'm like, at seven miles we're on the evacuation line because we were we were one block from the evacuation line i'm like we're on the evacuation line and i just found out that my husband had gone on our roof to clear the gutters and he has no business being on our roof and i was really unhappy about it and the cops just like ma'am just go just get in the car so anyway it goes on the roof and then he finds the keys but the keys he had thrown they were under our solar panels because, of course, we had solar <gasps> panels. So he had to yeah. like get on his belly like a lizard and like jimmy along at like you know however high off the ground we are. Like this again is very high and like get the keys. And I just want to say that that was that's my banter I've been saving to talk about because oh my, my husband. That's good, but it was just like it was a very. I feel like this week Mercury. I don't think is in retrograde yet. But I feel like shit's been kind of just going square and sideways for no reason. I feel like I've been in a funk this week. I don't know what it is. So there's something going on. I, yeah, I don't think Mer Mercury's in retrograde yet, but it's like coming or something. But I'm going to tie know. this into the pod now to say. Well, wait, hold on. Hold on. I want to say something. Before you, then you I can tie it into this. the pod. We can go back. So um, I had to get my driver's license renewed. It was actually like really um expired i actually didn't realize my license was expired until we had to go get my kids passport you know your license was expired <laughs> i'm sitting i yeah my i did not know my license was expired i so for some reason they still approved the licenses because as soon as i went home i like did it online but anyway so it's like two months at this point that i've had like the camera card i don't know it's probably different in every state but i had like a the card that i had to take to the dmv anyway whatever it doesn't matter so I find I'd been really busy the week before and hadn't had a chance to listen to Afternoona Asks, which is the new podcast that we have like under like you can it's uh, under our channel. Um, and it's Grace and Sarah who host it. And I hadn't got a chance to listen to it. And I was like sad about it. So I was like, I'm gonna sit I, you know, the DMV takes, you know, all morning. So I sat there and I listened to their pod. And I have to say, I had the time flew. Truly, the time flew because I was sitting there 
listening to their pod. First of all, like, I just love it. They're so good. They are so good. They are. I told them that their podcast felt like a warm hug because mm-hmm. it did. I felt like I was just listening to like friends chatting. And so I'm like laughing to myself and I'm wearing like my AirPods. So like, I don't know if people even realize they probably just thought I was like sitting there talking to myself. And then Grace was going over like pronunciations. Like she was talking about how a lot of the syllables in, uh, in Korean are like aspirated. So you kind of like breathe through them. And so I'm there like practicing. I'm like, like I'm like practicing how to say these words while I was sitting at the DMV. Again, I probably people are like, who is this girl? But um, I just need to like shout out how great it was Um, there. You know, there's more coming from them. But if you haven't uh, checked them out, please do. Again, it's just like right on our channel, so it's easy to find. Um, but it was really good, and I had a great time listening to it. So thanks again, Sarah and Grace, and thanks for making my time at the DMV go very fast. Yeah, I want to second that because I was listening at the health club on the treadmill, and I'm just smiling while Same. I'm running on the treadmill. And people are probably like, "What? Like nobody likes running that right? much?" And like seriously, the time just flew, and I didn't. I didn't want it to end. Um, I remember when I first like looked at how long it was. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I have time to listen to this, um, you know, before we put it out. And so I, I didn't get to listen to it until it was out because you know I trust I trust them to put out good content. But you know that's when I have my time is when I'm when I'm working out. And so I put in my earbuds and I listened, and I was just like absolutely delighted and so impressed at how. Well, they did their first time out. I mean, I'm not, I didn't doubt that they would be awesome. Yeah, I I feel, I felt a little weird because I was like, it's not like I had low expectations or anything. Like I thought it would be good, but I think it just like they exceeded my expectations. I mean, I know how we sounded when we we started. So I just thought they did a great job. And again, just the content to me was so interesting. I loved all the subjects that they talked about. They're really cute because they had like a little bit of a script, but sometimes they'd be like, oh, sorry, we're going off on a tangent. And I'm just like, all the tangents, like, go ahead. Because all their tangents were just as interesting as everything else they were saying. So anyway, check it out. And thank you, Sarah and Grace. Yeah, just to frame kind of setting listener expectations, we are looking to um, start to like pivot to offering, you know, more adjacent podcasts. So you've seen we have Afternoon Army, which is a very BTS focused space. Um, we now have Afternoon Asks because, um, you know, we're three late white ladies who write books that live in the U.S. And so we can, like, take a good stab at story structure and we can talk a lot about, you know, whatever our raunchy hearts desire when it comes to random stuff. But, um, but yeah, I think that, like, having, like, lived experience, um, you know, holding Asian identities and being able to speak to things kind of, like, more deeply and with more context is something that our listenership and us in general, because we consider ourselves, you know, listeners of this pod. But uh, engaging with dramas that are, you know, primarily Asian dramas, we're missing often context and nuance. And so we're just so um, excited to be able to give listeners, you know, this new insight into a lot of the content and we're excited to engage in it as listeners ourselves. So, okay. To segue, I just need to just also say, because this week, this is a week really, you know, I mean, I started out with the keys on the roof. I'm going to be ending it with like my ultimate bias dropping, uh, you know, their album and uh, documentary, which is Suga, Augusti, Minyungi from BTS. But sandwiched in that is this drama that we're going to be doing. And today we're doing Alchemy of Souls. Part one. 
just part one. <laughs> and I finished, I just need to talk about how I finished watching it because I'm the last one to finish watching it. So last night I was on episode, I had to do 18, 19, and 20. And I was like, okay, no problem. I can knock out, you know, three episodes. So I start watching 18 on my couch. It's like 10 o'clock at night. I come to, <laughs> and I'm like, what's happening? <laughs> it's, I'm on phone. I it's 2.30 in the morning. And I'm like, shit. Because it's 2.30 in the morning. I'm like, I have three full episodes to go. And I think and I they're like asleep. an hour and a half long. And I think I fell asleep in like the first minute and a half of this drama coming on. Not, oh, and no. it has no bearing on the drama. Like I was just very tired. Right. So I'm like, you know, in the Middle Ages, I brought this up in the past on the pod. I apologize if you've heard this. Fun fact, in the Middle Ages, they had two sleeps. They had sleep one, where you'd go to bed kind of with the sun, and then you would get up kind of randomly in the middle of the night, read a book, have some sex, do some prayers, whatever, and then go to sleep again. So I was just like, I'm middle-aging, I'm middle-aging this shit. So I watched episode 18 and 19 tonight. <laughs> like last night from like two thirty to four thirty in the morning. And then I was like, I'm not finishing like this. Like I'm not going to finish like this. Like I can do better, but I'm like, I have right. to go to sleep. So I got into bed. I couldn't fall asleep. So I just laid there till six and got up. And then I finished watching this drama at lunch. I just like shut the door, pulled the blinds and finished it. So I like, I am very fresh to the plot point of this drama right. is what I'm saying. Right. And also right. very sleep deprived. And completely sleep deprived. And so as a result, I decided to make a very bad choice and drink fireball whiskey, which is never a good choice on a good day. And especially <laughs> a poor choice if you're a mom of three on a Wednesday night. Do you just <laughs> right. have fireball laying around the house? Dude, I don't know why. Like, I don't think I've ever, I've had Fireball plenty of times, but I've never purchased it myself. I have not either. It's just in my house. I have so much <laughs> in my house that I don't know where it comes from. People will be like, where did your kid get that outfit? I'm like, literally no idea. No. <laughs> <laughs> I actually understand that. So there's just things in my house that are just in my house that I never know why they're in my house. But like, like where'd this cat come from? Yeah. Why, why do I have this cat? What's going on? <laughs> kind of, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, do you still have a dog? I feel like I've not heard about Meadow in a long time. Yeah, anyway. Of course I, that, I haven't heard about her since she dragged you across the street. <laughs> what do you want me to say? I've got a dog. She's there. She's, me. <laughs> I need to see a picture of her from far away <laughs> that shows you showing affection for her. So my husband today, last story, and then we'll go. My husband today, I checked in with him because I had to run out the door very early this morning. Um so I called him to just kind of be like, hey, sorry, I didn't get to like say goodbye or anything today. And he's like, you know, I've just been feeling really good today about our interaction we had this morning. And I was like, I don't even like remember talking to you this morning. What happened? He's like, how we connected over Meadow. Because, you know, like you were really affectionate towards Meadow, which is our dog. Spoiler, like I'm not the biggest dog person. So I was like, oh, I'm like, do you mind telling me more? Because I don't like remember saying anything about the dog. He's like, oh, you said... It's so funny she gets her squeaky toy because every morning she comes to us with her squeaky toy. And so the bar is so low in my house. That, that is, is your that is your connection Leah. to the dog. Leah, that is the one. Like acknowledging so something she does as a habit. And then Nick was like, I'm just feeling so good about you and your relationship with the dog right now. That is ludicrous. 
Meanwhile, uh, so there's construction going on, like right in back of my house. There's like dump trucks and like, I don't know, diggers. That's what I call them. But um, a backhoe, I guess, or whatever. And I actually hold my cat up to the part of the window that doesn't have a screen. Hold him in the air so he can get a better look at the dump truck because he really likes it. Meanwhile, that's what I'm doing with my animals. And you're just like making one single observation. I said, look at it, her with her toy. And apparently, that was like, man, I've just been hanging on to like how great that you. is love. <laughs> that's oh the lowest God. bar I've ever heard. And I'm glad you're meeting that low bar, though. I mean, good for you. Leah. I know. Like, like, literally, literally just narrating what is happening. <laughs> there is more where that came from, baby. More where that came from. I'll be like, look. I observed Meadow wagging her tail half-heartedly when I walked in the house. And make him think I'm not a monster. Okay. Speaking of not a monster. (laughs) Okay. So this podcast started because we all fell in love with K-drama and needed an outlet to fangirl excessively over the writing, the acting, the cinematography, just all of it. But despite our mutual love of dramas in general... Those of you who have been listening to us for a while know that it is a rare occurrence, more rare than, say, an ice stone. When we all love a drama or a hero, we're both with all of our hearts and all of our souls. But over the past few weeks, as we've been checking in with each other, as we consumed Alchemy of Souls Part 1, or Part 2 if you're me, it's clear that we are in rare ice stone territory. To prove it, let's start with a quick rapid-fire survey on our leads, and ensemble. And as always, we'll begin spoiler-free and then let you know when the spoilers will abound. So, um, I put a list of characters on our script here, and basically I just said, in three words or less, without spoilers, let's describe each character. And we each kind of split it up and, and took a few. So, here we go. All right, so for Muduk, I had Badass Sorceress Master. Jangook. Big Sword Energy. <laughs> nice. Which I think needs to be like a new tier in our Patreon. It should. And so you'll... Mm. <laughs> I've got a, I, I had two because one was oh, I just wanted to sing guy. all by myself for yeah. our little so you'll. And then also Aww. the serious one, Strong Silent Savior. Uh, Dongu. Uh, I put Golden Retriever Energy. But not a Hamby. So Yu In Su plays Dongu, and he also plays Guinam in All of Us Are Dead. And Guinam was a fan favorite uh, character, even though he's evil. Um, so it's also crazy because he's like he plays this. Like, but he plays so- these two characters. I can't <laughs> get past it. Like yeah, because Guinam is just a mean bully zombie, <laughs> and he's like just a terrible person. He's so violent. He's a murderer, and then in with one eye, uh, with one eye, <laughs> and then in Alchemy of Souls, he is just a golden retriever, even with blonde hair. I mean, golden retriever. I loved him so much. All right, so then we have the little princess Jin Cho Yun, cute snooze. <laughs> I kind of agree. I mean, I don't blame you. Uh, the pre- the crown prince Go On. I put deep voiced leader. I I. I don't know. I loved him. I love him. Love him. <laughs> Leah, what you wrote? Park Jin. Daddy's home. Daddy's home! <laughs> That's so great. Um, maid servant Kim Doju. 
I put that she's a big pink heart. I love Aww. Maidservant Kim like you don't understand. I want I want to drink with Maidservant Kim. I want to like gossip with Maidservant Kim. I loved her. Then we have our favorite and often inebriated healer, Hyo Yum. And I look, I did four words. Big drinker, <laughs> small brain. Oh, he <laughs> kind of does, though. And the ageless Master E. Chul, I put Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> I love that. I don't know if you get that, Megan. Yeah, 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 Megan, do you know Do you know who Obi-Wan Kenobi is? <laughs> I don't. He's this character from this movie franchise. Oh, you know what? Shut up. It's called Star Wars. I, Atari. I, it's I, very yeah. esoteric. But up. he is the uh, reclusive master. <laughs> I know who Obi-Wan Kenobi is. <laughs> All right. So while Jung Ok and Mudok would be considered the leads, this drama has an amazing ensemble of heroes and villains. So as far as rich ensembles go, uh, what would you consider a comp to Alchemy of Souls? And I'm thinking of just this great cast that I loved everybody in it. So I thought Mr. Sunshine, um, because I thought the humor was similar then love between fairy and devil just because again you have like similar humor but you have this like epic you know like fantastical story and then i would say all of us are dead only because it did have like a large cast and you had like competing motivations and guinam and you have guinam <laughs> and if you haven't met guinam yet like you're missing out i mean i'm hot for guinam <laughs> I am too. <laughs> Why? I don't know. And I'm not hot for. And he has me. he has a rock and mullet as Guinam. He too. does. He does have a good haircut as Guinam. Oh, he's just so good. All right. So for me, look, I'm just going to go basic because I know who Amy, what Amy wants to do, and I'm going to let Amy do her thing. <laughs> but I'm just going to throw in like low hanging fruit and say tell the nine tailed simply because we're dealing with like. A magical universe set also in kind of like some reality with a lot of lore, with a lot of rules, with a lot of, um, you know, subtext, with a lot of history, with a lot of people who have like dealt with drama that's been going on for like generations. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's a rich magical lore that definitely has like a lot of history behind it. No, I don't know why I didn't think of Tail of Nine-Tailed. I mean, I think overall the story isn't written, obviously, as cleanly as Alchemy of Souls, but you're right. And there's even, like, soul stuff in yeah. Tail of the Nine-Tailed. So. Yeah, totally. Okay, yes. So, <laughs> look. <laughs> look. Please, tell us another drama we've never heard you talk about ever. I mean, people are going to be like, why do I listen to this podcast? Because we only talk to Amy <laughs> <about this drama. laughs> That's not, I mean, I only talk look. about I'm not a robot. Look. Yeah, we know. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. I'm going to talk about Goblin. But here, here's the thing. Here's yeah. the thing. Yeah. And even more so in part two, which I'm not going to spoil part two. But here's the biggest sort of um, parallel for me. And it's what I love so much and what I'm realizing that I love so much about, about the love stories and dramas that I love. And I love the sad love. And I love the, you know, the impossible true love, you know, sort of scenario where you have these two people that you know – are, you know, one true loves, but they cannot be together and possibly survive the relationship. Like literally life and death mm -hmm. scenario. And you've got that in Goblin and because in I mean this is not 
at all spoiler, you know this from the get-go, that the goblin wants to find the goblin's bride because what she can do is she can pull out the magical invisible sword that has been in his chest for 900 plus years, and then he can finally be at peace and die, right? The problem is, is, you know, what happens when you fall in love with the goblin's bride? And so in this, you've got a mage who is in love with a soul-shifting assassin who if anybody finds out a that she's the assassin and b that she is a soul shifter like those are two reasons why she can't exist Mm -hmm. so it's doomed from the start yet you watch the whole thing thinking but these two are meant for each other it's got to work out how is it going to work out i don't know how it's going to work out and i just i love that tension and so yes i love goblin i love alchemy of souls and i love that parallel between them i agree so there Leah. <laughs> I, 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 I like Goblin too. I know. Alchemy of Souls is a Studio Dragon production that aired on TVN and Netflix. Written by the Hong sisters, it tells the story of the fictional country of Deho, a place we are told in the opening sequence that cannot be found in maps or history. It is a country ruled by powerful mages, focusing on Zhang Uk, the son of a mage who, for reasons, had Zhang Uk's gate of energy sealed upon his birth so that he is unable to access his powers in order to become a true mage, until he crosses paths with Naksu, a powerful sorceress and hunted assassin who uses the forbidden alchemy of souls to swap souls with a young, blind servant woman in order to escape death. Once in the body of Mudok, Naksu has no powers. She agrees to team up with Zhang Uk, like playing his servant, but really being his master and training him to be a mage in return for him keeping her identity a secret. What we get from here is comedy, romance, bromance, palace intrigue, trust, betrayal, and petrified soul shifters who feed on human energy. <laughs> it's way more than any synopsis can contain or explain, and it is quite possibly my number one new drama. Ooh. I don't know. I still I still can't decide between it and Goblin. I'm kind of, I keep going back and forth. So anyway, Leah and Megan, you two have only watched part one so far. I mean, we know Leah like literally just finished it hours ago. So you may have different assessments of the drama as I do since, you know, part one ends, I think in a cliffhanger. We'll get to that though. What are your thoughts right now as far as how you'd rate the drama based on just part one? So this is the thing. I remember you were like, Part one ends on this massive cliffhanger. And look, I, it's a cliffhanger. Like, don't get me wrong. But I personally felt that there was a conclusion in a way. I, and I think, like, there, it's obvious there's more to come. Like, I'm not saying it's not a cliffhanger, but I felt like a sense of completion. Like, I, I felt like they were definitely ending part one. And that they were, I don't know how to explain it properly, but I, and I think that's one of the reasons I rate part one a five out of five is because of the actual final five minutes of this. Which of, we can't talk about yet. Which I can't talk about can't yet. Talk about yet. But I, I will explain like more later when we, when we can do spoilers. But, um, okay. This, I'm going to use Game of Thrones as an example. Okay, so Game of Thrones ends on a massive cliffhanger on the last book that George R. R. Martin has written. We still don't have the next book, where Jon Snow dies. What? He just dies. Spoiler alert. No, I'm kidding. It's been years. Well, <laughs> we also know he doesn't die. But I know. now we know. But my point, so that to me, obviously, is a massive cliffhanger. Like, you're like, all right, he's fucking dead. If, if they would have had him, like, come back... 
just like in the last five minutes of that or last, you know, page of that book, he rises from the dead. I would have been like, oh, damn, that's a good ending because, you know, there's like more to come. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Yeah, because so, well, especially when you've got a writer like George R. R. Martin, who, you know, kills the main characters. Right. If Jon Snow dies, you're like, well, fuck, Jon Snow's dead. That's just some. Yeah. And it, yeah, and it's also just like a major cliffhanger. Whereas but if, if he would have like risen him back, I'd be like, oh, now we're going to have a really good story going forward. But I still would have felt like in like a conclusion in a way. So I, I think that's why right, it's a setup. There is an arc. I will yeah. agree that there is an arc, but I'm just going to say it's like not a, it's not like really, it does. It doesn't even really need to be like an argument. It's just my, I, I'm actually arguing this point to say that's why I love part one so yeah, much. I got you. It's because I thought that they were setting up part two brilliantly. And I was like, that's how you write a part one. Like if you're going to give me two seasons of a show, which I'm not a fan of, like, that's how you end the first season, in my opinion. So I loved part one, five out of five, like 10 million stars, 10 million stars. Okay. So look, <laughs> I felt like you just tried to thread some needles there, Megan, because you made a bold statement and then you walked it back a bit. Ah, I did! <laughs> I said, no, because I used an adjective. I said, I didn't think it ended on a huge cliffhanger. I thought it ended on a cliffhanger. It, it ended on a it. Listeners, it ends on a cliffhanger, <laughs> like a textbook definition. It does. It is it an does. unresolved plot at the end it of is. episode or at the end of season one. Right. It doesn't not end screaming. like as they're like, who is knocking at the door? And they all turn <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Okay. 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 <laughs> Resolve. Like two yeah. very big WTFs happen. Yeah. True. And then it's over. Also, I feel like none of our listeners told us this. Like, thanks, guys. None of you warned us. I I don't want it. But I didn't want to know any. I'm glad I didn't know. That's right. I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah. So So now you all know it ends on a cliffy. It ends on a cliffy. So my biggest fear was that it wasn't going to end as an HEA. It doesn't. So if you're curious, it doesn't. But But it's not done. It's also an open end. Like, I don't feel like it ends where you're just like, life is horrid either. Right. That's what I I don't know what's going to happen next, which is the textbook definition of what? A cliffhanger. Right. A cliffhanger. I know. (laughs) I do like, though, they leave it with like hope. I don't know how to explain it. I loved it. And if the drama had been like, look, we're just going to leave you here. (laughs) Oh, God. I would have committed arson on Saint. Same. I would have been there with like the the um, Molotov cocktails throwing it through the window. Okay. Well, let's keep going now that we've identified that it is in fact a cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, Thank uh, you. It, Thank you, Leah. Is a <laughs> well, here here's the thing. We knew that there were two. We knew that there were two seasons, but it's really two parts, which I think is a little bit different, mm-hmm. like a part one Correct. and a part two, because it all it is all one story. It's not like it's not like we keep talking about Tale of the Nine Tailed. Like Tale of the Nine Tailed had a season, it ended, and now it has a brand new season with brand new stuff, and you know everything was resolved ish. You know, in season one, it wasn't right. like we've been waiting. Right. Um. So this, I. In my head, I was like, oh, it's a season one, season two. You know, we might not have time to do both. Well, maybe we'll just watch season one and just do a pot on season one. And w- the three of us had talked about that. Mm-hmm. And then it ends <laughs> part one. And I was like, what the hell? Yeah, she like, like messaged us and she's like, um, guys, we can't do only part one. I'm like, like we're it's gonna, not done. It's not done. It. And I need to, I need to continue right now. And I right. did. I, I mean, I, it's been a long time since I binged something hard and I binged, I mean, 30 episodes, all of like an hour and a half each. I was actually going to say that you have not 
Amy, I'm speaking to Amy, you have not binged a drama like this in a long time. No. Like, it's, it's been, been a long time. So yeah. that just shows, and she, like, would not stop talking about it. And, no, and a, I know. Like, I've, I've been super annoying, and I will continue to no, be super annoying until I, you guys watch part two. No, and I am literally starting part two. So, no, yeah. I'm just saying it was cool to see, because you, again, I don't think you've done that in a long time, so it was cool to see how excited you were. And it's it's a wonderful feeling when that happens, when it something is. just hooks you so hard yeah. that you can't stop. Yeah. And that's kind of where, where I am. So I'm really I'm really digging that we get to talk about this tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean we we had you know, we've we've all had similar reactions, like why didn't we watch this drama sooner? So let's kind of, you know, let's dive into that a little bit. Why didn't we watch this sooner? Like for for me, I can say that I don't have time to watch dramas that aren't on our list for the pod. Right. So except that I did already, you know, do part two of this because it was in my soul and I needed to. But I had just been keeping up with the pod and we finally put this on the schedule and I was like, oh, good, because it's been on my list of, you know, want to watch for a long time. But why, why do you guys think it took us so long to watch this? And when I say so long, like it hasn't even been out for a year, I don't think. Like I think part one came out last summer. Oh, really? So it hasn't been out that long? Okay. I thought no. maybe we were really far behind. No. Um, Part two just dropped, I think, in December. So, okay. So I'll be honest, like I'm being super honest. I was not super interested in watching this. Nothing about it really was up my alley. Um, I don't fa- understand that. I know. You like fantasy. I do like fantasy, but it can be a hit or miss for me and I have to be in the mood. And at the time I was, I was like really, I was watching like contemporary BLs. And that's what like I wanted to watch. And, like, I actually didn't remember how it got on our schedule. And I remember I messaged you, Amy, because I was like, I'm not really excited about watching this. And you're like, really? Well, like, give it a shot. Everyone liked it. And I was like, okay. So like that, I just want people to understand my mindset going in. I was not that excited about it. And then <laughs> I freaking loved it. So I was like this reluctant, like, viewer. It wasn't even like I was excited. I I I didn't even have like high expectations, and I ended up like I remember it was I watched, homework. It was homework. It felt you. like homework. And I remember the first episode. Like I liked the first episode a lot, but I was like, oh, this is going to be really dense. Oh man! Like I hope I can like stick with it because it's confusing when it, it starts. It can you be, have, and it's just a yeah. lot. Like you have to pay attention. The the dialogue matters. Um, I mean, I had to rewind several times to like make sure I got the dialogue. Like I had to read it again. Um, but it was extremely worth it is what, is what I'm trying to say. To me, I think this is what Game of Thrones wanted to be and gave us the promise of in the beginning. And by that, I mean like the tight plot and like the shifting motivations of characters. Um, and then it also has like a little bit of the Lord of the Rings thrown in because there's like this ice stone that's a lot like, you know, the ring they Mm want to destroy in Mordor. But then it had this like amazing Mr. Queen-esque, like that traditional to me, like Korean Seguk humor that I loved. Like the humor in this was up my alley. I was I was like on board with everything. So yeah, that's it. Like just, I, you know, I, I had to be swayed and it and the entire drama swayed me. So I just wish somebody had sold it to me. And how I wish they had sold it to me was saying, look, this is a slow burn. With a less than loved bastard who's oh yeah, tell me it's a bastard has been right? locked from him, and he becomes a pupil to a scrappy assassin who's also a master 
who wants her revenge and doesn't care who she has to hurt to get it, except that is until she learns what love is. I feel like that would have sold me. Excellent pitch. Excellent pitch. Why aren't you, know you telling me? I, I want to watch that drama. Why aren't you telling me it's a bastard hero? It's a Jon Snow hero. Whose power's locked away. Whose power's locked away. And everyone wants the Ice Stone, which is like the ring to rule them all. <laughs> Why didn't anyone tell me this? Because <laughs> that's what it's like, you know? Oh, it's so good. Okay. Well, you know, we're going to end the, the spoiler-free section here because... There's just too much to talk about. So we're going to segue for a minute to our K-pop wreck of the week. And what do we have this week? So the wreck this week is called Dear My Light, and it is by Dawn. And look, I'm not going to get into, like, the backstory of no, Dawn. get into it, kind of. I mean, Hyanna. Okay. I mean, okay. So Dawn uh, was formally signed under Cube Entertainment, and so was Hyanna. Uh, it was found out that they had a relationship. They were basically basically both kicked out of Cube because they were like, we're staying together. We're in love. I mean, they ha- they're they a very, very famous Korean couple. Uh, Korean K-pop couple. Um, they then signed with Psy's company, you know, like Gangnam Style Psy. They released solo music. They also released a song together called Ping Pong, which is like a lot of fun and their outfits are crazy. And, you know, I think a lot of people, they had, like, matching tattoos. Like, I think a lot of people thought they'd get married. And they recently broke up. And Dawn released this song called Dear My Light. And it's Dawn, by the way. D-A-W-N. This song, (laughs) I, I wept. And I very rarely, like, weep. And it's a three-minute song. He moved me to tears in under three minutes. It's just, it's a breakup song to, like, end all breakup songs. And it's just him singing. There's not a bunch of, like, backing vocals. I don't think there's any. It's just him, this, like, simple melody. And he he doesn't vilify her. And I don't think he puts himself on a pedestal either. He's just basically like, this is the love we had. Thank you for the love. Now, like, go shine my light without me. Like, Ugh. It's a it is, it's a beautiful song. It's a beautiful melody. It's like super simple. Guys, it is I mean it's I <laughs> it is so good. And I have listened to it on repeat like crying and I'm like why am I doing this? Honestly, I'm like almost tearing up thinking about it. It what it made me come away with is I was like I'm so happy for Dawn and Hyanna even though I don't know them. I'm happy for them that they had a love like that in their life. Like good for them. That they you know, we're, we're loved and loved others that hard. So check it out for yourself because it's it's beautiful, but there also feels like hope in it. I don't think it's necessarily just sad. So it's called Dear My Light and it's by Dawn. If you enjoy our podcast, you have our patrons to thank, at least in part. Afternoon of Delight Patreon allows us to keep creating content for y'all to enjoy. Thank you so much to everyone who is supporting us there. And not to brag, but our Patreon community is pretty awesome. And you can join at a tier that feels good to you. Gain access to fun perks like K-drama posts, monthly Patreon-only bonus podcasts, and even a live K-drama support group on Zoom. Because we know firsthand what it's like to have no one to talk to about those crazy plot twists, amazing characters, and all those feelings. And look, 
no one should have to walk that walk alone. So learn more by visiting afternoonadelight.com. That's www.afternoonadelight.com. And hey, while you're on the website, you can check out Afternoona Delight podcast merch, find links to book recommendations, bop along to our K-pop recs, blow up your skin with K-merch recs, find all of our social media and a link to our email so you can send us recommendations or feedback. And hey, while you're at it, why don't you pop over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review? It really helps with our discoverability. Gamsamnida. So what kinds of things do you both like to do when you drive? Pay attention to the road? Is this a trick question? All right, how about when you fold laundry? Why am I folding laundry in this scenario? Read, friends. I was trying to get you to say read. You could just ask us if we like to read when we drive or... Wait, how are you reading when you're driving? With Audible. You know, our sponsor, who is the leading creator and provider of premium audio storytelling, enriching the lives of millions of listeners every day. I listen to audiobooks on my commute to work in the car. Oh, yeah. I totally do that. I love my Audible subscription. Then why'd you leave me hanging with the whole driving thing? Forget it. It's not important. What is important is that now our listeners can get a 30-day free trial of Audible Premium Plus from Afternoon of Delight. Do you know what they get with that free trial? Actually, I do. They get one audiobook credit, two if they are Prime members, which is good for any premium selection, and they get to keep that audiobook. They also get the whole Audible Plus catalog of podcasts, like Afternoon of Delight, audiobooks, guided wellness, and Audible originals. And with the Plus catalog, you can listen all you want, no credits needed. And Audible sends you a reminder email before your trial ends. Sounds like a great way to spend 30 days to me, especially if you're heading outside for a walk, have a long commute to work, or just want to hear one of many talented narrators really bring your book to life. All you have to do is go to www.audibletrial.com slash afternoona to sign up, and you're ready to download your first listen. Enjoy! So, okay, folks, that ends um, our spoiler-free discussion of Alchemy of Souls. So if you haven't watched it and don't want to be spoiled, now's the time to, like, hunger down in front of your favorite Netflix viewing device for 30 episodes of fun. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you Um, can start with 20. You could start you with can. the first 20. You, you know. can. And then, because I had, I had to take a little breather after 20. I'll be honest with you. I, I needed a, I need a timeout <laughs> from day ho. <laughs> now I'm getting back into it. So yeah, let's, let's dive on in now. So oh, let's start. I, I know. Let's start with Jung Ook because Jung Ook, why is he and EJ Ook's portrayal of him? One of the best characters we've come across in K drama or just like life in general. Amy wrote this. <laughs> Amy did not mince words with any of these questions. It's so funny. <laughs> I mean, do you disagree? No, no, no. Okay. Okay. Well, I also, I want to point out that like I started watching Extraordinary You today, just the first episode, and he's in it. Um, and it's from 2019. So it's not like super old. It's a few years old. But I'm having a really hard time looking at him in a school uniform. <laughs> right. <Ugh. laughs> so I... He, I mean, he's just as beautiful, and he has an earring, and I love it. 
Um, but I'm like, no, because you're already like a little baby man as my my Mr. Mage. But yeah, I, I love him. Mm-hmm. And he had me from episode one. My reaction to him, I think, was very similar to my reaction to Eamon Ho in The King Eternal Monarch. I didn't know E.J. Uk from anything other than Move to Heaven, and it was a powerful role, but it was a side role, and I was more focused on E.J. Hoon's character, Sangu, and Sangu's sort of you know emotional reaction to what happened with E.J. Uk's character, and I won't spoil that for anybody who hasn't seen Move to Heaven, because it's amazing, so you should go see it. But Jung-uk, he has done some forbidden sorcery on me, and like... Mm-hmm. I don't want to take away what, what you're going to say, Megan, because I'd reacted to yours, but I agree with everything that you say about him. So we'll get to yours in a second. But I also think that aside from him being like so perfect in so many ways, he's also flawed, which makes him multidimensional and like makes him human, even though he's like a super, you know, ends up being a super powerful mage. Like, I love that he's not like just this perfect hero. And I don't know why I'm continually surprised by my love of swords. I mean, Kim Shin. Egon, and now Jungkook. Apparently, kings or men powerful enough to be kings who can slice and dice are my sexuality. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So when I started this drama, I didn't even I didn't even know he was the main character. Like, guys, you don't understand. I knew nothing about this drama going in. You didn't figure out he was the main. I wasn't. Character? I thought he was the main character, but I wasn't sure if he was going to be like the main love interest. Like, I had no idea if this was going to be like a massive cast where there wasn't like kind of a soul f- I didn't know I told I had no idea there were like all these they were like here's the four seasons like I didn't know um <laughs> and I actually wouldn't say like he did hook me right away like I was interested in everyone I was like taking in the buffet of characters you know <laughs> um but when he hooked me he he hooked me so he's like earnest he's smart um, he's good. I mean, he can also be selfish. Like Amy said, he's definitely flawed. Um, he's full of green flags. Uh, he wears the fuck out of those mage outfits. Uh, don't even get me started on his sword. And one thing I want to mention, they always talk about how smart he is. This is one drama. You know how there's like that. I don't like the term too stupid to live, but that is a common kind of like romance term. If there's like a character that is just like dumb as rocks and isn't like picking up on things. The characters in this drama were beyond smart. They, like, like I do have to say, sometimes they made connections that I was like, that's a reach. <laughs> like, how are you making that connection? But they were right. And they had to make the connection to kind of, like, further the plot and further. So, like, I was fine with it. And, I mean, these are mages. It's a fantasy world, whatever. But I think what I liked about it is they kept saying, like, Jungkook is smart. Well, he, he's fucking smart. He makes so many connections that I was like, how? Because <laughs> I'm not because, smart enough. Because nobody lets him, nobody want, nobody will train him in magic. So all he does is he is reads. He knows he, all he, of he, the he's things. He's really smart. Well, I also just think he's, like, naturally smart. Are you talking about, like, the invisible poem? Well, not even that. Just, like, <laughs> some, and even, like, like uh, you know, daddy, like, Pak Jin would make like connections and I'm like how in the world are you getting that from like this one tiny clue but again don't care like go on and be brilliant and get this plot moving (laughs) yeah and listeners don't come at us with plot holes because I'm sure there are some 
We I don't care. care. <laughs> we we don't care. There's a lot of coincidence. Oh, of course there is. So I don't what? care. <laughs> so what? <laughs> I mean, I don't care. But I'm just right. saying there's a oh, lot of Oh, of course there is. Oh my god. Yeah. So for me, what it what like for me, <laughs> I I had a pretty sneaking suspicion out of the gate that we were going to be spending a lot of time with Jung. I don't know why I was the <laughs> clearly I'm the <laughs> so here megan let me let me tell you like a hint that you can do if you look up a drama on asian wiki the people listed at the top i didn't i didn't i did not go to asian wiki i didn't want to know i'm just i have to know know all of the things i don't i don't tend to look up either but i mean i know what i have human okay you know what okay okay um but what is okay the question is not did we recognize when did we recognize he would become an important person to us? It was like, why is he the best hero that we've come across in K drama or just general, you know, general anything. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, look again, who doesn't like, who doesn't like an emotional boo-boo, but here's the thing with him. And so this is where alchemy of souls two part two will be interesting to see like more damage. But in part one, I feel like there's damage, but he's scrappy. Oh, so scrappy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He has had a real shitty go of it. His, like, you know, like, the questions around his birth are not good. He doesn't even know how bad they are, really. He just knows, <laughs> he knows, he knows daddy doesn't love him too much. <laughs> like, daddy issues by the dozen. Yeah. And, you know, so he knows he's got the potential to have a lot of power. All his buddies have all this power. His power is all, like, not for you. You don't get to have any of that power. And he's still, he's not, like, I was just watching Ted Lasso last night and how they were describing someone as, I don't know, Amy, are you watching Ted Lasso? Yeah. He Like, they described him, what's the type of figurine, the ceramic figurines? Oh, 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 oh. Precious moment. Precious moments. Yeah, they said precious moment figurine. Precious moment. Like he's a precious moment figurine, which basically is good <laughs> for like he's a fragile bitch. Jungkook is not a fragile no. bitch. Like he has life no. has knocked him hard, and you know he's still standing, and he has hope, and he's like, I'm gonna figure my shit out, and he that's attractive mm-hmm. because I like that there's hurt and damage, just because it makes him interesting and more well rounded. But I also appreciate he has this innate optimism to him. And I think that's what also drives the love interest to him too, because if he was just like a himbro or just a sad sack, I think that Naksu would be like, yeah, yeah, okay, like I'm right. He's not wallowing by any means. He's got this like innate goodness that is so attractive because it's so good, but not boring good. Yeah, and he and he has like an innate drive, which is very similar to Naksu. Like Naksu obviously has like an inner drive to achieve her goals, and I think. She recognizes that in Jong Uk. Um, and I mentioned that later about their romance is I liked that I I actually I always love a romance that's that starts out with almost like begrudging respect. That is actually mm-hmm. one of my favorite like romance beginnings. Yeah, I like I like that you say that he's good but not boring right. good. Yeah, because I think it is that drive that makes him such a layered character. Like he's not just this you know, goody two shoes and, you know, give me my powers because I want to do good in the world, like type of thing. Like he's just, he has goodness in his heart, but he also has like ambition to be the best version of himself that he can be. And he knows that that includes accessing his Mm -hmm. powers. 
and learning how to use them. Um, so Noxu or Muduk, uh, they're the same person <laughs> in different bodies. Well, <laughs> not really. You know, they're not. They're, they're not, not. They're not. And yeah. actually, they're not. Well, we can talk. I mean, w- okay, I'll I'll explain that when I get to my answer. But okay, Noxu or Muduk, played by uh, Jung So Min, is our anti-heroine. A girl who was raised to be an assassin, all the while believing her purpose was to avenge her father who was killed by the Daeho mages. Only later does she learn that she was once again manipulated by Jin Mu, that her father was a soul shifter run wild, and the mages were trying to save her village. So what makes her such a well-written heroine? So, I, like, I feel like I fell for her as Jung Ook fell for her. Like, her character, her character's arc is, like, this amazing slow burn, right? Like, their romance is a slow burn, but so is her character's arc. Like, not romantically speaking, but just her. She was so sure of who she was because of who she was, you know, raised to be, this assassin. So she was sure that she would choose vengeance over love, but she didn't. And despite how the drama ended, or how this part ended, Muduk did not choose to do what she did. She had agency and she chose she chose love, but then she was manipulated again. Um, but it was her love that she had for Jung Ok, for So Yul, for Gowan, for Danggu, for Pak Jin, maidservant Kim, and everyone who showed her that she could not only love but be loved in return. That like that that was her, you know, I, I loved that arc for her, and that is why I loved her so much that even after all of the destruction that she causes at the end at, you know, at sort of Jin Mu's hand, that I still think that despite the tragic ending that love won when she went and jumped into the lake, because she could have, she could have wasted everybody, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But I think it was that love that everybody had given her that kind of, even though, even though at the end there, you know, it's a little bit ambiguous, like she's not sure who she is, why she's there, you know, kind of thing. Uh, before she jumps into the lake, she just knows that she needs to like end it right there. And so, yeah, I, that's why I really, I really loved her because even being her soul being manipulated there at the end, I still feel like she had agency in her final moment. And that to me made her such a strong character. And I, I really loved that, even though it was tragic as fuck. Yeah. I mean, so there are obviously huge found family elements in this drama. Like if that's yeah. your thing. This drama has it in spades for, I think, even Jong Uk, because I think for he's almost like resistant to his found family in a way. And I think he has to learn to like value his friends and the people who love him. And then Naksu obviously is completely alone and has to uh, like, yeah, learn what love is basically. But you know what this reminded me of? Naksu's journey. And this is I think this is why I loved her so much. It reminded me of Mr. Queen when Jong I love that you keep bringing up Mr. Queen. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, so when um, Bong Hwan was in the Queen's body, and it was just at, at, at the very beginning, it was the Queen's body with Bong Hwan in it. Like, that's it. But then as the drama went on, the two, like, the yeah. Queen kind of came back into him, and those personalities, like, m- meshed for a little bit. Like, th- that's how I felt. Um, like Naksu's um journey was, and she and it, it, they acknowledge. I think that's what I love. I love so much about it too. They acknowledge that in dialogue that she was like, "I'm not really Naksu anymore. Like, and I can't go back 
to being mm-hmm. Naksu. Right. I mean, when she was manipulated by Jinmu, that's a whole that that's different. But I think that like that's sort of what happened. I think like the Naksu body, or I'm sorry, the Naksu soul was in the Mudaki's body, and that's the way it was in the beginning. Like definitely Naksu. And then as the drama went on, it like melded into almost like a, a brand new like third person, which was like right. She was she was somebody else entirely. Yeah. She wasn't Naksu. She wasn't no. Mudok. She wasn't Bu Young. No, you know, like she and wasn't. I, she was she was her own right. New and I and I love that. You know, they didn't give her this like static. Oh my god. I mean, they could have given her some sort of like moral. Well, they did kind of give her like a moral dilemma, which she did choose Jungkook, like when they had that like secret room moment, uh, where she killed or Jungkook. No, I'm sorry. She killed the, the soul shifter and then didn't leave. Like she was like, make your promise to me. I'm, I'm going to stay with you. And, and I, yeah, I, I think that's. <sighs> I mean, I think you love her from the beginning because you understand where she's coming from. So you, I guess I would say you're rooting for her. But I think as the drama goes on, that's when you really start to fall in love with her. So first I'll say I have a total crush on Nox. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, big time. So yeah. it's like rare. I like step out of my like little cishet bubble that I live in. But like, you know, I was in. I was in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Way mm-hmm. in. And what I like about her is that also, I think what's interesting in how she's written is, you know, I really appreciate when a woman is written well. And this woman is written so well that she not only is like the, she not only is like a, you know, able to have, you know, like, and we're going to get to this a little bit later, like, you know, multiple men interested in her, as <laughs> a romantic hero. She almost represents different sides of herself, which is what they're connecting to. And they're all part yeah. of her. And she's absolutely not, like, manipulating that. She's not like, oh, I'm only going to show you this side of me, or I'm only going to show you this side of me. Really, like she's pretty much herself. But they're all connecting to different parts of who she is, mm-hmm. which means that she's so richly layered that she becomes like just a fascinating heroine in her own right. She's not there to serve the man. If anything, the man's there to serve her. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, I felt like this was her drama. Yeah. Like I thought it he's is. actually the main character. I agree. It starts with her. It does. And, and, okay, just to go back, that's why I didn't know who the male lead was. Okay, because <laughs> I thought she was the main character, okay. and we were going to get the. <laughs> yes, who's the main character? Yeah. So there you go. I'm right. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> now Jungkook is still obviously the main hero, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you know, we have we have two very rich leads who have a lot of nuance to them, but she is more multifaceted and she is more complex. Yes, right. He is polite, but she just has more going on internally. Mm-hmm. So uh, this truly is a stellar ensemble and we would be here for days if we talked about how rich and layered almost every character's story was. So for the sake of time, pick one character other than Jungkook or Muduk and explain why you love them. So I'm going to go with Gowan, the crown I loved prince. Him. <laughs> I loved him and... You know, what I, what I really liked is having been like, you know, a few episodes ahead of you both when you were watching it and me popping into, you know, our chat and talking about how much I love the prince and I can't wait till you like get to see more of him and see what you think of him. He could have been very one note and he wasn't like he was a very prideful mm-hmm. guy, right? But he was governed by more than just that. Like I thought he was governed more by honor than he was by power. And but he just... He, he had layers and he had, you know, moments of doubt as far as 
you know, because Jinmu is his master, and like, do I trust this guy still? You know, he's the one who raised me, basically, he taught me to be a mage. Yeah, I just, I don't know, I loved him. And some of the funniest moments for me in both part one and part two, like I'm dying to talk about part two, um, involve Go On. And I wasn't expecting that because, you know, there's there's a scene early on where I thought, oh my God, he's going to be the rival until the bitter end. Like he's going to, you know, want to kill Jung-ok. And it, at some points he does want to, but I don't know, it's a lot. And there's so much more to talk about with him in part two, and I just can't get to it. Okay, so I'm going to talk about Soyul, which kind of might be a surprise because he's a little bit of like a cinnamon roll. <laughs> and so like, what was it about him that made such an impression on me? And I liked him throughout the whole drama. I I never thought seriously he was like vying for Noxu's affection. Like, you know, Jung-uk had that unlock from the beginning. Uh-huh. But I felt like Soyul had he had the first love which i guess i'm a little bit of a sucker for first love but he also didn't have closure and so at the end of the drama i think we were like it was in the final three look i watched the last three in like a fever dream so yeah so he i felt like to me it was such because look love there's so many types of love and not every love that's real and true and pure and special lasts forever. And I felt like this drama honored it in a way that I don't think I've seen it equaled in terms of a second male lead, except for possibly for me personally, Mr. Sunshine, Mm. where I felt like there were, you know, especially he sung's character, just being able to be like, it's enough that I loved you and I'm going to like, let this go. Oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. I agree. But so you'll had like a longer history and a richer connection from like their past. And when they stood there together and they got to have their like moment where they where she acknowledged that she had loved him, too, because I think that was important. Because the other thing, too, that like in a romance, I don't always like I've had fights about this with editors before where they're like, we just want like that couple to be the only people that they've ever had feelings for. And I'm like. But life just doesn't work that way. No. And it's so much more interesting when like you've truly like, I don't like doing the conceit in a book where like your ex has to be evil or everyone has to be shitty except for the hero, because that just makes the heroes and heroines like feel like they don't have to do much to be awesome. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this case, so Yule is like the whole package and it's not going to be her forever. And so the fact that they could stand there together, hold hands like be with each other and kind of just say, let's have a moment to like really honor what we had and let's let it go. And, you know, we're going to move forward still with love for each other, but not, we're not in love. You know, and I think I, I kind of just thought about this now when you were saying it, I love that they didn't make it a competition between Soyol and Jungkook because they never really did. Mm -hmm. They never really made it this like a woman coming between them. I think that would have like cheapened the entire drama. It wasn't a woman coming between them, and it also wasn't them, like like Leah said, it wasn't them both vying right. for her Right, because I don't attention. even know if Soyol ever like, actually, I don't know if he ever actually wanted that. I don't know if he ever actually... Well, here's why, and like I think I can, let me just speak to yeah. this, is that this goes along with what I said about Noxu being multifaceted and having so many layers. Soyul was in love with one of those layers. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the whole Noxu, you know, Mudak that she has become... 
he he recognized that wasn't for him and he knew that that was like now like jung ook's time mm, yep he loved a very specific iteration of noxu yeah and she wasn't that person anymore she right. was not she was still in there yeah. but she was all these other things Correct. too yes oh god this makes me like it even more i know seriously <sighs> I'm just going to say real quick, it's Maid Servant Kim. I'm sorry. I freaking love that woman. And my favorite part is, I think we're going to talk about it later, but she had a romance with Pak Jin. I love that they gave her a romance. I love that they didn't make this Maid Servant some like frumpy lady. They made her beautiful and warm and older. And she was so sweet. And she loved Jong Ook so much. I mean, she raised him. When his father abandoned... When we're saying older, she's, like, in our demographic. Well, I know, but our demographic, they treat pretty crappy, so... They, they really yeah, do. They yeah. Really do. yeah. So, I, I, you know, yeah, she raised him when his, like, mother died and his father abandoned him. Like, I mean, I think, like, we have to acknowledge the fact that the reason Jong uk kind of had maintained, like, goodness and scrappiness in him was probably because of maidservant Kim, and um and how she chose to like mother him basically and i just felt like she had a big she was a big heart of the show and i really felt like if she wasn't there it would have been different and that's why i loved her so much and i want to try her little honey biscuits her honey cakes like i want to find a recipe yeah those look I really find good a recipe and make them like i'm not mm-hmm. even i'm those like little the yes, little flower shapes i want right? to find them <sighs> those looked really good and make them yeah Oh, yeah. And like her little, oh my God, that sweet romance she had with each hole. I mean, the whole thing, the whole thing. I just loved her. Oh my gosh. When he oh my God. He scarf. wore the pink scarf and he was so <laughs> mad when, uh, when the one, when Ho Yam got like sauce on it. <laughs> and what made me laugh too is he got like sauce on it, which is like liquid. And he like freaks out. I was like, can't you just do like your match, your like mate <laughs> stuff right. and like take the liquid out? Like calm down, buddy. All right, you know we know that Jungkook is is her her one true love, but so you'll loved her in his own way, and Go On had a crush on her as well. Did you ever at any point ship her with somebody other than Jungkook? Well, again, as we no. all know, I had no idea who the main couple was. <laughs> Jesus, Megan. <laughs> For how I long? Mean, if, uh, I figured it out pretty quick, but seventeen <laughs> episodes. <laughs> She's like, I did not see that <laughs> coming. See it coming. Not true. The fish I kiss, I was uh, like, what? I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, okay, yeah, I thought that, like, I thought Noxu was getting with Master Lee. Like, what? Like, <laughs> so I and at first I thought like they just had like good camaraderie, but I wasn't like feeling. Oh my god! <laughs> Jesus Christ! I wasn't feeling the chemistry. But then when they went to like the camp together, when basically he was like kicked out of Songram and they went to the camp together, that's when I was like, oh, like I'm really, oh, okay. Like I'm starting to like, <laughs> oh, it might be, oh, it might be. Well, no, him. I knew it was him. No, I knew it was him before that. I just wasn't feeling the chemistry between them yet. And um, so, like I said before, it was like the slow burn romance that started out with this like begrudging respect because I think they like each recognized something in each other that they also had inside themselves. And I also really understood like Mudok's like reluctance towards any affection for Jong Uk um, because she didn't really remember like much of love. She had like sworded off after the death of her father. And then after learning her childhood friend, So Yul was the, was the son of her enemy. 
And I guess what I also loved about the romance was that she didn't kind of like turn into this like blushing bride. Like she was still very much herself within this romance. Like their banter was still like antagonistic. Like I loved their banter with each other. Like uh, episode 20, they're like putting makeup on each other. And the way she talks to him is just so funny. And to me, like, yeah, it was a romance that was like a soulmate bond. Like they got each other. They got each other. Yeah, they got each other. I am going to say, and this isn't the question, but I'm going to answer my own question. I did hit a point. So I'm going to give a, because this is a love fest. I am going to give some of the quibbles I had. Yeah, go ahead. And I think some of the quibbles I had here, by the end, I was happy. But I did hit a point yesterday at around episode 17, where I was like, look, I feel like we've meandered the fuck around. (laughs) I'm ready to be like, look, this there better be a beating heart at the front of this because right now they are chilled out lovers like it's too chill for me and the stakes obviously up by the end and i think it connected in but i hit a point in the midpoint where i felt like we were layering in so much other like plot points and like the intrigue and you know the magic that you know, we had the fisheye kiss, which look, fisheye kisses are never it for me. I like with lukewarm on this one. I was like, look, I think we could have done better with the kiss, the first kiss. But then after that, you know, I do like that their relationship was still like semi chill, but it stayed chill <laughs> like for a long time where I was like, come on, like, let's, I need to see some fucking passion. Here. Yeah, that's fair. Like, big. And so I do think by the end I was happy, but I thought that pacing was curious because also like a lot of like that like relational fun and games i mean we did have some of it at the usual plot points we would see in a drama but we saved a lot of it for the end as to do like a bait and switch to be like let's really just have you at the end be like it's all good it's all worked out and you know you know it's not yeah but like i feel like we saved some of that pacing for the very end but honestly it worked. So what am I going to say? Like, I think it worked fine. Mm -hmm. It was like an unusual choice to kind of like work the beats the way they did it. And I think I was gonna say, I think it will tie in well with part two. I mean, I'm not going to say much about it. But like, it's an, you know, it's an ongoing story. And it's an ongoing arc. And so I think really, we were just getting to the fun and games. And then yeah, now we're at Black moment number one. Yeah, I was going to say, you know. Which makes sense if you're looking at this as like part one and two being one holistic drama. It is. And so, yes, under that, guys, I can see that having not even seen part two, just because it was weird where beats were starting to come by the end. And end on what is a textbook definition (laughs) of a a cliffhanger. (laughs) <laughs> so again Megan's gonna tell people the drama being like look I had no idea who was getting that <laughs> away and it ended very satisfactorily for me <laughs> like I can chill yeah like I feel very much like done and done I actually I was it. like I can chill for a little bit I actually did <laughs> no, feel that way I was like fuck like I need to watch the rest right now no I was like I need a break I'm, I'm gonna let them chill out Jong-ook's got a fan the flames from his robes and Naksu's got to dry out. Like, I'm going to let them do that. <laughs> Get the stone off her face. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about some secondary romances because we had a lot, you know, going on in here. So 
What was your favorite of the secondary romances? So I wrote this question and I wrote it because I wanted to answer it. So I guess I'll just answer. Yeah, do it. Um, because it, it, it gave me some some major vibes of other characters. So Pak Jin and Maidservant Kim were my favorite, all of our favorites, right? Mm-hmm. To me, they were Beatrice and Benedict from Much Ado About Nothing, which is my favorite Shakespeare. And specifically the Kenneth Branagh version with Kenneth Branagh and Emma Thompson as Beatrice and Benedict. And it's an enemies to lovers story. Pak Jin and Kim Doju aren't quite enemies per se, but they are full of like snark and bickering as they try to untangle their feelings for each other because originally they were each in love with Jungkook's parents. She was in love with his father and he was in love with his mother. And so they both had like unrequited first loves, right? And they teased. Yeah, and I love yes, that. And they teased the crap out of each other of all the things that they did for their unrequited love. Right. But you can really see the feelings sort of bubbling between them. And I, I appreciated that we got a full romance story with older characters to balance out my dirty Ajma love for Jungkook because... My quibble? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to come with a quibble here. They didn't kiss. It's not over. <gasps> I right. know, but come on. Like, that was a magical moment that was worth a kiss in Act 1 when the- he... Because what I loved was when they finally... <sighs> Seeds. You know, when he, I loved when they're like outside and it's a little romantic and they're walking in together and she's like, you know, I don't want a big house. I don't want all that. Fancy. It was amazing. Yeah. And he's like, she's like, I just want a snug little cottage with my honey. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally get it. I'm going to totally buy that for you, for you and Master E to have together. And she's like, <laughs> what? She's like, you are so yeah, dumb. You are the fucking dumbest, dumbest. walk i have ever seen and, you have <laughs> just to want to see parked in i mean is it slapsticky yes did i like it yes of him just like banging yes. his head like around like any door frame he could see for like the next episode and <laughs> right. a half where he's like stupid 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 yeah and then he comes back though and when he comes back and he's basically like <sighs> Look, I'm why men. I'm a seed. I'm a seed that needs to be. Yeah. Yeah. When he opens up his hands and the seed is in there, all the seeds. And so, you know, I went from like, why men to like, yes, Park Jin. And then like, (laughs) take your time with me. I'm a little slow. And she's like, yes, yes. I'm like, look, I want to see the late 40s, early 50s, tongue down the pie hole. Yeah. Yeah. Their story is not done. Good. But I just, so, I really, I, I know. feel like, I was like, you're not too old to go all in and eat each other's faces. No. Daddy's hot too. Oh, he's so hot. He is. He has short hair in part two. Better. Much better. <laughs> I, I, I do love, I do love when he's like, I'm L'Oreal and I'm worth it with it, you know, his hair. Oh my God, his hair. <laughs> and he would like comb it. Oh, I loved him. So I loved bad. him so much. And I liked that he was like so smart and so powerful and then just so freaking dumb. Right. Yeah, totally. That gets me every time. Okay. So villains are always the heroes of their own stories, right? So let's talk Jinmu, fabulously portrayed by Jo Jae-un. Jinmu is many things. An illegitimate child of Jin Yuan, Pupil of the former Guanju Zhang Gong, who is also Zhang Uk's father, sort of. Practitioner of outlawed sorcery, the alchemy of souls, creator of the assassin Naksu, and now as the current assistant Guanju, he is the master manipulator of the royal family. He reminds me very much of Kim Byung-chol as Pak Jung-hun 
our purple-tongued villain from Goblin, which is to say that this character archetype, the would-be but can't-be king who craves power however he can get it, is common in many stories involving royals. So, how does Jin Mu stack up against the rest? Is he a villain to be reckoned with, or is he, you know, kind of like this cliche archetype that I just talked about? Okay, so first of all, he has the creepiest smile. <laughs> Creepy. Every time he smiled, I was like, I would get chills. So good. And he's just so conniving and like sniveling. But I mean, I think he's a great villain. Uh, um, But he's also like a part of a cast of villains. Yes. So I would say like, I think the true villain in this drama isn't quite like tangible as one person, but Jin Mu does a great job being like a representative of, of that greed power ice stone. I, I honestly feel like this is very similar to Lord of the Rings, where like, the real villain isn't like Sauron. It's like what the ring does to yes, people. Yes, and it, that, you know? that continues into part two. And that's a really good way yeah. to, to talk about it. And like, you know, like Sauron's just like a representative of like what the ring can do in a way. And so I felt like that's the way this drama was. Like Jin Mu is just representative of like how you can be if you like covet the power of the Ice Stone. So for me, I... He... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he was slimy to me the whole time, which was the intent. Yes. But I did find him like a little bit one note for a lot of it where I was just like, I wanted to see more of a tragic. I really like when villains have a lot of damage. Like, you know, I'm going to use my goblin card here and call in my lawless lawyer on Oju. Like I want really, really good reasons why the villain is villaining so that I can still be against them, but kind of be like, yeah, like I get like why you're such a baddie. And in this case, yeah. like, I feel like, Same. you know, I kind of got it. Like, power is rad. Mm-hmm. But, like, he became... And that's where, like, towards the middle when I was like, oh, my God, if I don't get some romance here and I'm just dealing with this jabroni. <laughs> jabroni. <laughs> jabroni. I, I totally get it. I'm like, yeah. Jinmu, like, look, I need a little more depth here. Yeah. yeah. I, I actually completely agree Because he's just a baddie. You. Like, you don't, you don't sympathize with him as a baddie like you do sympathize with Anoju, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. You, I even sympathize with like the shaman yeah, more. I, I thought the like I thought she was, was shitty. Way but... more interesting, horrific villain. Yeah, she Whereas was great. Jim Mu, I was just kind of like, oh my god, like with like your like very tweezed little goatee. Like I was just like, <laughs> enough already, enough. If I see you again, I'm gonna punch you in the fucking smart face, smug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's how I felt with that. Uh, I was over Jin Mu by the end. I like that we saw him good a bit though. Like I liked when we saw him back before he was like big baddie yes but i wanted to see more of like that transition to the dark side because i just feel like that's what makes a villain compelling yes absolutely i agree like that is that is the one i think he's good at being bad like really good at being bad but we don't get to see very much of the why Mm -hmm. especially since like he has a sister like Mm -hmm. who who is like the priestess of jinyawan like he has a connection to great power yet still wants more why yeah right like like, so like what inferiority or what unsafety like why are you the hero of your own story right yeah totally yeah he's definitely not my favorite villain i did like the shaman she was i mean well i didn't like her i hated her but she was a great yes that was a good twist i like that like yeah the fact that she's like she's like trying to get recognition for like her entire family who has been essentially outcasted Mm -hmm. okay i didn't put this in i didn't put this in the question but since you're bringing it up how does Jin Ho Young, the priestess of Jin Yuan, 
How does she not know that her husband is from the Choi family? I know. I was wondering that too. He must have just lied about his last name. But I'm like, how did you get but to he's be like from like that? The other, like a like a town that's walking distance away. <laughs> like, well, and, yeah, and, and how do you get to marry someone that powerful? Right. I, I, I admit, I thought, I will say that I thought he was also a soul shifter. And then all of a sudden she's like, is this true? And he's like, he's like cause yep. I was like, oh, that's not, <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, well then he's not really Cho Yun's dad. And then no, he's Cho yeah. Yun's dad. I mean, I would say that was like one of the like leaps that we had to make, but you know what? I don't care. I know. I still don't okay. care. I like, I'm asking, I agree I'm with asking you. I'm asking the question, but I don't care. It doesn't make me oh, love the was, drama any less. Just, you know, absolutely my same question. <laughs> I was just like, there's this like, no, your husband. Anyway. Like, you don't know yeah. that he's like, from a shaman family? That <laughs> <laughs> he grew up in this, like, village that they, like, practice, like, sorcery? I right. know, it's crazy. Like, how did he even get within 10 feet of you? I think that was, like, my big <laughs> Right, like, how did he ask you out? She's like, I fell in how love with your you smile. I'm like, on a date. <laughs> well, I was like, why was he in your house? <laughs> how did he get in there? Yeah. Speaking of Jung Gong being Jung Uk's father, sort of. So here is the story of Jong-uk's birth and how the alchemy of souls set forth a series of unfortunate events for a hero. Jong-gong was Guanju to the former king, but the king had no heirs. And when he found himself knock, knock, knocking on death's door, <laughs> he ordered his Guanju to swap souls. He doesn't say, he says he just wants to like chill at a healthy body. He doesn't really give his whole plan away. No, he doesn't. As soon as they, as soon as they swap souls, as he does. As they swap souls. He's like, "What I'm gonna do is go fuck your hot wife." It's so crazy, and you know, and he does. So, according to the drama, the child born of this union is the king's son. It's not Jung Gong's, and because Jung Gong knows that revealing how his son came to be would put him in danger for doing that alchemy of the soul's good good, he closes Jung-uk's gate of energy and forbids him to train as a mage. So he's not like the other boys. <laughs> then, just throw the pot and see where this discussion takes us. Riddle me this, Batman. If your body, which includes your DNA knocks boots with another body while it is inhabited by a soul other than your own does the offspring produced by said boot knocking belong to you or the soul who had control of your body that is a fucking paternity lawsuit right there <laughs> can you imagine that thing going to court <laughs> be like okay here's the thing this was a great question because i wrestled with this exact question for a good the whole drama yeah the whole yeah i feel like the whole drama i'm like but really but but it's because it's because of the sorcery and because of all the magic and the whole king star like him being born under the king star that like everybody is like yes he is the son of the king you know kind of thing but which body made the baby you guys go for you both go for it and then i'll weigh in i mean so i mean like <laughs> The sperm wouldn't change. <laughs> Does sperm have a soul? I mean, no, I would go with no. Have- <laughs> no, no. We do all According the According to this drama, so, apparently. Right. Yeah. So the sperm would be the owner of the body. So 
But I would, I feel like the baby would also have like emotional traits of the soul. Do so you think when your dad so came to your mom, he, his emotional soul is embedded in you? Kinda. I actually do. Yeah, I mean, it, that is the question. Do we inherit? Do we inherit parts of our parents' soul? <laughs> no. Like, that's what. That's what. This, that's what this is asking. I mean, I'm not. I think I inherit like personality. Yes, traits. but the, that's not like because there's like a miasma of soul. That's like, true. Lucky sperm, as it's like going in. I guess I'm. I guess I'm trying. I'm. I'm thinking of more nurture. Yeah, and look, nature. I mean, people don't. You know, come at me. You can let me know if you think you've got like a soul backpack on your lucky sperm. Let me know. <laughs> soul back. I think that. I think that they were splitting some fine fucking hairs here. And I think toxic masculinity really caused some deep harm because he's like, I, I wasn't yeah. in my right, right mind when I did my like pump and dump. So <laughs> therefore, yeah, I mean, I want a biological diagram of how this makes him not his son. I mean, uh, I, I, I don't. I, for some reason, though, when the drama did it, I was I like, know, yeah, that's, that's, not that's, son. It's not that's the whole son. thing. It's not John's son. How did I? I have zero. How did I, get- I have zero quibble with it, right? But like, like, how did the drama gaslight me? <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, too, is that the king was just like, "Hell yeah, that's my son." <laughs> like, you know? I know. Like that's right. Like that—that's the sort of bonkers part of it. Is that the king was like, "I know how I'm going to get an heir." Also, how lucky was it that that was the week Doe Wall was operating? Is that we don't really ever see her having like any power agency? She just seems like has no. coming in, and she's like, yeah, yeah. and she just lies there. Sure she's like thinking of England. Yeah, like open me up. I'm a present <laughs> to unpack. And there was no like, I like the new kingly moves you've got here. Like you really put your back. <laughs> Where'd you place. learn that? We don't get any of that. You know what? Your sperm soul feels I different. Can't. I, can't. I can't. I can't. As I'm getting the wet rag and wiping myself clean, I'm noticing <laughs> the essence feels royal. <laughs> Ow! Stop! Stop! There's like a glow. Between my legs. <laughs> but here's the thing. Oh, this God. hits me in the same delight center in my brain that Renesme hits me from Twitter. Oh, my God. Where there's so Renesme. It's so <laughs> ridiculous that I like him. Like, yes, I like it. You've hit uh, you've hit peak silly that I actually enjoy what's happening. And if for some reason you have not read or seen the Twilight series, Renesme. I have not. Oh, what? <laughs> Give me a, you have been- You're fired. You are fired. I have not read Twilight. You are fired <laughs> from, you are fired from this. So she doesn't know who Renesme is. <laughs> Give me, oh my God. I'm just scum- Megan, Megan, Megan. Jacob the werewolf is not in love with Bella Swan. I, I, know, I know the no, thing. He's in love with. You don't know. Maybe, he is in love with her unfertilized egg. That is his soulmate. I did know about that. I heard about yeah, it. Like he is in love with her unborn child before the egg is even fertilized. Yeah. And he thinks he's in love with her, but no, he is imprinted on her egg. Because the egg is everlasting, the sperm is regenerated often in Edward's vampire balls somehow. And so he's not imprinted <laughs> somehow on Edward. <laughs> he's only imprinted on the egg half of his future wife. You're you're not gonna get me to read it. Well, 
How did that not read Fifty Shades of Grey? There, because that is the best single best moment in English literature. It's the crackiest crack. I know. I mean, I read Fifty Shades of Grey, which is Twilight fanfic. No, no, no. You don't know. You don't know. You don't. You know nothing about Twilight. I know. Born after Edward eats the baby out of her womb, he (laughs) C-sections her with his mouth. (laughs) Pulls the baby out. Jacob comes in like, "What the fuck? You're killing the love of my life." Damn that baby. But he's like, you know what? I will wait. Yeah, I, I love her. Until she's like seven, but looks like she's 18. <laughs> I love her as all special things must be loved in a non-creepy sexual way. I'm going to now take this infant child and run out the door with it and raise it to be my mate. Oh, my God. I'm just saying it is a slow clap, Stephanie Myers, right. for doing that. and. Right. A lesser clap, but still a hearty clap to the Hong sisters for, you know, having these sperm have a soul soul backpack. (laughs) And for all, and for us to just buy it. Like, we, I was like, oh my God, he is not John Gong's son. Like, absolutely not. Like, I totally just. Oh my God. The whole, the whole drama. The whole drama. I'm like, okay, but John Gong's body had sex. Yeah. I was like, John Gong, your toxic masculinity has fucked up everything. Just accept. Right. Your brain oh. was turned off and your dick was hard. Yeah, actually, who's the real villain? Jong Gong. <laughs> Jong Gong was the real villain here. But can I just say, because I don't know if there's another time to say it, this is a beautiful man. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he is yes. super hot. And yeah, I needed agreed. a lot. I, I really, I was let down because like the slow, the slow walk he had of like through multiple episodes in his like Obi-Wan Kenobi raggedly oh. clothes. I was like, oh, daddy's coming home. I'm ready to see right. whatever he's got to cook up for me. And instead he right. showed up and was like, I'm just going to barbecue myself right here. <laughs> right. So I actually messaged. So, okay. You know, when he like trails Jong Ook in like this, the like shaman mm-hmm. village and he's, like, <laughs> he's just, just dressed in like Ludicrous. all these rags, <laughs> all these rags is like hair is a mess. He, he reminded me of Grizabella in Cats, <laughs> the musical. <laughs> I was I like any minute I thought he was gonna be like touch me <laughs> it's so easy to leave me. It's gonna like break out in memory. And then he's so dramatic because he's got that like bandage on his hand and Jong looks like, Are you injured? And Jong Gong's like, I am injured down to my soul. And I was like, Okay, old man, like <laughs> you brought this upon yourself. Like no one cares. <laughs> like he's the most the, i mean you know you want to know who's the drama john gong gong john gong is the drama <laughs> he's the anti-hero hi you're the problem john gong <laughs> yeah, you're, you're the, the problem, problem john gong you and the fact that you just could never reconcile that and i mean even the king i was like way to have a watertight fucking plan he's like <laughs> i mean like i was like what you wanted to do was just remember what it was like to be inside a woman a beautiful woman because right. literally it's right like you said, pump and dump and die. Like, <laughs> pump yeah. and dump and die. And he doesn't even get to like the satisfaction of seeing his heir born. But like the problem mm-hmm. is, is that the satisfaction of the heir born is Jung Gong's child, genetically speaking. Right. right. And nobody ever knows except for, you know, like the few close people who've been keeping this secret. 
So I don't even know what the point is. Yeah, it's I, I know, I know, but you know uh, what? I don't care. I don't care. And we need to. We're going to move yeah. on because this question okay, is never going to get answered. On. So when let's. On, when he puts yeah. him on the throne at some point, and they're like, "Let's do a DNA test," and we realize zero percent king blood. <laughs> The ashes of John Gong are going to feel real stupid. <laughs> okay, quick, quick question, quick John Gong question, because apparently this, this is going to be like a two-hour episode. Yeah. So he he petrifies at the end because he's he's a soul shifter, but he's back in his own body. Does that not save you? Like when you shift your that's that's never really explained. Like he's shifted souls of the king, but then shifted back to his body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually don't understand the. I'll be honest, I don't understand the rules of like running wild. Right? That one that one threw me for a loop when he began. Like he shifted back in and then was still effed. Right. Yeah. I guess I I, I guess once you shift, you're a soul shifter. Even if you once shift back shifter, to your own body, always a shifter. Always a shifter. <laughs> okay, but how did he last? How did he last? 20 years. 20 years. Without running wild. Was he because taking energy from saying people? This is the coincidences. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. I'm taking that back. Don't come at me with plot holes. I don't care. It's just the coincidence. <laughs> he came all this way, walked all these miles in his raggedy rags. To, to, keep, the, like to keep the ice stone from it's destroying plotting, the world. Plotting. Plotting. I was like, hurry up. Like, why are we watching this and not watching Jungkook, like, make out with Noxu? We're watching <laughs> yeah. this. And then he shows up and is like, a five minute. He barely yeah. does any five minutes of like, let me tell you some truth bombs and then ends himself. Yeah. But he was a beautiful man. A beautiful he was. Man. He was. He was. Okay. So we love the writing and this drama. We don't care about plot holes. <laughs> and we love how effortlessly, you know, K-drama in general can blend, you know, drama and comedy. And I think that's one thing that this drama does so well. Like we've got gut-wrenching emotional scenes and then you know, turn to a laugh out loud comedic relief. So what is one comedy scene that really hit you in the funny bone? So for me, it was the scene where uh, Mudok is trying to save Jong Uk from the crown prince basically killing him. So she throws a chamber pot. She throws chamber pot water at the crown (laughs) prince. That's like her grand plan because she doesn't have any powers. And then in order to apologize, (laughs) she offers to... drink it and she's like it's okay i can do it and jongook is like oh my god no like i'll do it meanwhile they're both gagging they're like they keep going okay i'll drink it <laughs> and then maid and then maid servant kim is like oh no i'll do it too and she gets close to the changer pot and she's like, like <laughs> so they're all kneeling and gagging and passing the chamber pot water back and forth. It's like sloshing all over the place. And at that point, the crown prince is like, gross. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I think I love that about him. He's like, stop. He's like, I don't want to watch any of you drink this. Can you just stop? <laughs> and and the thing is, like, the previous scene was, like, incredibly tense. I mean, you thought someone was going to get very hurt, you know? And so I think it's just such a gift to be able to like write a scene where it's like high tension and then just immediately kind of like cut into it with this, with this really good humor. And look, I don't always love toilet humor, but this was great. Toilet I thought humor. it was hilarious. It was chamber pot humor. 
I love that, and it's where she gets the the nickname Filthy Muduck. Yeah, and I I, mm-hmm. I love that because it sparks their friendship. And one of my favorite funny scenes is with Gowan as well, and it's the Jade Stones. Well, that's what I was gonna say. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, okay. <laughs> I forgot to write it down. It's so funny. Okay, so there are these twin jade stones, a red one and a blue one. And initially, Jungkook had given one, you know, he kept one, he gave one to Muduk. And he didn't really know the power of the jade stones when he did this. And at one point, there is a bet that is made. And because of this bet, Gowan gets Muduk's jade stone. He also does not understand the power of the jade stone. And basically what the jade stone does is if each stone is held by, you know, two different people who've got powerful souls um, and love in their heart, (laughs) one stone will call out to the other. And one night the stones call out to each other and Jungkook and Gowan are both walking from their respective homes and they're coming across the bridge and it's this like total romantic music because they think they are both being somehow led towards their true love. And then they see that it's each other and it's like record scratch and it is the funniest thing. And I was talking to Megan about it when when she finally got to it. And I'm like, I think it's hilarious and I don't think it's like a gay panic scene by any means just because it's two men. I think it is these two men who hate each other or think they hate each other and they're like, what the hell? <laughs> like, why do you have the stone? Like, why do you yeah. have the stone? Like, why is yeah. it you? Like, I, and I agree. I never, I didn't feel gay panic. I felt like they, they don't like each other at yet all. The, yet their hearts are like, calling Ew. to each other through these stones. <laughs> and they're, He's like, my heart's, you know, why is my heart beating? It was so funny. So that was my funny moment. So I'm just going to use my time to just circle back one last time for the last question because I haven't, I realized I haven't finished my point. Okay. So my point that I wanted to finish about like the sexual affair (laughs) is I'm still, I didn't, I just need to say this. I feel like... Jung Ook's mother got treated so dirty for everyone saying she yes. had an affair. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, she had an affair. She had an affair. He's illegitimate. She had an affair. She just fucked her husband. Yeah. And I just need to say again, like, 100%. Did you have an affair? If you happen, like, if Neil came home, <laughs> Megan, mm-hmm. crawled into bed, was like his business time, and mm-hmm. you were like, I'm a little sleepy, but I'll give it up. I'm going mm-hmm. for it. This was okay. You had some new moves. That was interesting. Mm-hmm. And the next morning he wakes up and was like, what happened? I had my soul abducted and someone else, Roger G. Yeah. No, didn't I cheat. didn't do anything. But I don't think, I don't no. think the rumors went around that she <clears throat> cheated because they knew that she slept with her husband with the king's soul in his body. I think that the rumors went around that she cheated because he took off. Like this baby was born, he took off. So again, reason 3040th, and I'm sorry this isn't funny, that Jung Gong sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> he took yes. his yes. honor Agreed. with him too. His dead wife's honor. His dead wife's honor. His dead wife's honor. So she couldn't even defend herself. What a yeah. dick. He is hot, such a dick. Hot dick. You're though. the worst, Jung Gong. Hot dick. I mean, he, he clearly had hot dick because the king's like, I want to use that right. hot dick. <laughs> <laughs> so the Jade Stone was going to be mine. And then on a more levity, I mean, I don't have like a big ha 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 moment. It was just every time the crown prince cocked his head and arched an eyebrow. The best. The best. Oh, I know one that we forgot. And I think I threw it in at the end in case nobody brought it up. 
I just remembered. The test, the servant test. <gasps> oh. oh my God, you're right. That was one of the, my overall, my favorite parts. Of, uh, I was screaming, laughing when the, so the crown prince, Soyol and Dongu were like trying to figure out the te- the servant test results to get her into Songram. And they're like, like, these little like they just felt like like little boys like con- collaborating on these like servant and cheating questions. for her cheating for her and the crown prince dropping off her test it was the entire thing was hysterical so funny I'm sorry I totally like interrupted no you, but that's okay I, I just I wanted I wanted that to I wanted that to get shared I messaged yes. you about it that's when I was like I messaged you and you're like I know it's a great I'm like it's so great okay. So Kim Shin in Goblin taught us about sad love, the impossible love that makes the viewer think that while these two people might be destined for each other, there is no way that they could find a happily ever after. How do our writers, Hong Jong-un and Hong Mi-ran, manage to keep the tension high and keep us hoping for an HEA yet believing we might not get one? So I think I said before, like, the, I mean, these 20 episodes were long and they were meaty. I mean, there's a ton of plot. And it was like kind of exhausting at times, but I never really felt like bored or frustrated. And I think that's because they constantly escalated the tension while also giving us little victories. So it kind of felt like chess, like some characters would make their moves and other characters would like figure it out and everyone would sort of have to like recalibrate their plan. And we'd see the bad guys get ahead, but the good guys would also gain something. Like when Zhang Uk caught the golden fish and like achieved Hansu. I think it was Hansu. You know, it was like these little steps, like forward steps, backward steps, but all like going up. And it was, it was great. It was also like, you know how they say like when you write, like every scene should have a conflict and like kind of a mm-hmm. resolution. And I feel like this drama did. I mean, there were really no wasted scenes. Sometimes there would be like little humorous scenes. Um, but I still felt like they, overall were like part of the greater story and even those little yeah they weren't gratuitous by any means yeah i think for me it does have a little bit of a seggy middle so i feel like the drama got a little bloated at some times and i'm not saying that badly because here's why at one point i thought look we just might be starting to like meander too much but in the final three episodes i feel like most threads got retied in really good ways and yeah. the ones that haven't, I feel pretty confident that we're going to get to. And so that's where I think the Hong sisters like impressed me a lot was because they they set a pretty ambitious, sweeping drama plot forward. There is a lot of external conflict. There's a lot of internal conflict through multiple characters. And yeah, like, you know, sometimes we have seen that, like, sometimes the writing just kind of, uh, you know, you have this great concept and like the plot kind of just gets away with you and it takes control. We saw that with Tale of the Nine-Tailed, which, look, we all still really enjoy. Mm-hmm. But eventually it felt like the plot the the plot was like wagging the tail and the writers were yeah. hanging on. Yeah. In this case, I felt like at one point I'm like, look, are we just kind of losing, like, have they lost the thread here? And I would say that, no, they didn't. Like, right when I started to get nervous in, like, 16, 17 of, like, I don't know if we're going to just, like, start to really go into something where we're just filling time and just having more intrigue and more relics and more stuff. I was like, we have, we're good. Like, we are all up with that. We need to get back to internal conflict. Right. That was the exact moment that the plot went back into internal conflict. I think you're right. Yeah, I mean... As far as the romance is concerned, what really kept me on my toes was this fact that even even once they admitted that they loved each other, you knew that she was a soul shifter and that eventually she was going to run wild and petrify. So like, how does that, you know, not happen? 
they need the ice stone for that. So that's like the kind of whole thing is like, if Jonko can get the ice stone, then he can, you know, protect Mudok and keep her from running wild. If he can, you know, just get that stone. But we know that this stone is like, obviously a point of contention, and everybody wants it. And we also know that there's a part two. So the whole time I'm like, I don't know how this is going to end well. I don't know how these people are going to be together. And it ends pretty freaking tragically. And we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But I think that that tension for me was kept up pretty well, that even when it did start to get kind of like a little fluffy, and like, you know, Leo, you were saying with like, us finally getting to the fun and games and like, pretty much the last episode, you know, they kind of put the pedal to the metal again, and we get this like high drama and something that makes it seem like it's going to be impossible for it to end well in part two, but we'll see. I mean, I know, but you don't. So what was just in general, like one of the things that you think that they did really well with their writing of this drama, the Honk sisters? Yeah. So for me, it was like the weaving of the characters' motivations and the subplots. I mean, that is so difficult. I'm currently writing a series where my world is honestly a little unwieldy. Like it, I might be the tiger hanging onto the tail at this point. Like it, it is a, it's a lot and it's terrifying to remember everything about everyone. And I imagine the Hong sisters had this like massive whiteboard <laughs> to keep track of everyone and their backstories. And then also the chronology yeah. of it all. I mean, to me, this is really is like a masterclass and like fantasy and like generational writing that blew me away. I mean, to have so many characters with like competing and aligning goals, and then those goals shifting so that some were running parallel, then they start to intersect. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh my, it was a lot. And I I feel like this is what Game of Thrones, the TV show, like wanted to be. I don't mean to keep comparing it to Game of Thrones, because obviously like, Malcolm Souls is much lighter than Game of Thrones, but still, those writers of Game of Thrones like absolutely could not handle the world through like five seasons, however long it was like that. It was a mess. And I would say like, as a writer, like watching Alchemy of Souls made me want to put together a story like this, where like all the conversations matter. There are conflicts and resolutions to every scene, like the goal motivations and conflicts for every character is clear. Like, I really feel like I could sit down right now and write that out for you for every character. We don't have time to do that. So I'm not going to but and I think some are still a little murky. And we'll find more in part two. But the drama didn't give like empty characters. I feel like even the brothel owner, Jewel, was like fleshed out. I loved her. She's great. So I mentioned it earlier when Leah brought up the relationship between Soyul and Mudok. And what really hit me, and it's not just with them, but I think their parting scene expresses it best is the layered dialogue. And it happens more than once in part one and part two, where characters are having a conversation, and it means what it means on the surface, and it means a second thing, too. And what I love about this is that even in the translation, because you know there's always something lost in translation, and even in the English translation, it like blew me away, and the language seemed very poetic to me. And so in my mind, I'm like, well, then in Korean, it must be even more beautiful. And I can't imagine what I'm missing because I love it so much as it is. So I went and I rewatched the scene where Mudok and Soyul say goodbye. And I transcribed it because I love it so much. And I think it's a great example of this. So it's Mudok talks for most of it, which I didn't realize until I went back and watched it. And it's only like a two and a half minute scene, but she pretty much is talking the whole time. And he is just acting with his face and his his eyes. And He's very, yes. he was very expressive yes. in his eyes. Okay. So Mudok and uh, Soyul, they're, they're outside and she walks up to him and she says, I would like to check if you're healing well. So allow me to feel your breathing three times. And she presses her palm and the bird whistle to his chest. 
And then she says, let us say goodbye to each other while these three breaths last. And then he puts his hand over hers. And then she says, I also enjoyed my time with you at Don Yangok, which is her big reveal that she knows that he knows that she's Naksu. She has not let on that she knows until now. Thank you for everything. And then she gives him the whistle. It looks like your wound is healing well. I know the medicine is bitter, but make sure you take it regularly. And they both look at each other wistfully for like a big pause. And then he finally speaks and he says, I will, I will take it no matter how bitter it may be. This time it will fully heal. And so this is not the, like I said, not the only example of these two layered conversations that people have, but the writing here combined with the performance killed me. They finally get to be truthful with each other. Naksu gets to admit that she did care for him. And Soyul gets to comfort her and tell her that he will get over the pain of losing her eventually. I mean, come on. Like, that was a beautiful moment. Two minutes. I loved it. It was one of my, um, like I said, I'm glad that you you said layer dialogue, because I was like, what? How how do I describe that? And that's like the best way. But because I noticed that when I was watching that there were a lot of conversations like that, and I loved it. I would say, though, the one that you just transcribed was probably my favorite of those. I loved it. So let's talk about that part one ending. Muduk, her soul controlled by Jin Mu, goes full Naksu and kills Jin Utak because he is the one who can rat Jin Mu out to the royal family as having performed the alchemy of souls on the queen. Naksu eventually comes back to herself as Muduk, but only after she realizes that she has plunged her sword into Jungkook's chest. And because Jin Mu has been controlling her with the divination bells, she will soon run wild which she does, eventually jumping off a cliff and into Lake Gyeongchandeho. After being exposed as having protected the assassin Naksu, Jang Uk does not receive a proper funeral, and instead his remains are burned in a funeral pyre. Except, Jang Uk was born under the King Star, and Jang Uk just saved all of Deho by absorbing the power of the Ice Stone. So when the funeral pyre is lit, fire surges into the sky, the pyre explodes, and like the fucking phoenix that he is... Jungkook emerges from the flames. <laughs> Who lost their shit? So when Jungkook pulled a Daenerys and emerged from the flames, I mean, I screamed. I lost my shit. I was writhing on the couch. To me, this rivals episode 11 of The King. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, it take, it, It's better than episode it's, 11 of The King. I will give you that, yes. I Yeah, I want to watch Jungkook stride from the flames over and over again. I want someone to edit the scene with the song, like, cool guys, don't look at explosions from Saturday Night Live <laughs> as he's, like, walking away from his, like, own funeral pyre. Ugh. Like, I've said it before on this podcast that I'm, like, a simple person. So just, like, entertain me. And Alchemy of Souls entertained me from the very beginning but then the drama definitely, for me, outdid itself completely in the last few minutes of episode 20. So, yeah, I watched this, like I said, today um, because, you know, I ran this one right <laughs> down to the wire. But it, I'm not saying it in that I felt rushed. I mean, I felt rushed, but I don't think it, like, diminished my enjoyment of it. Even though right now I could, like, curl up and just fall asleep. <laughs> Soon. Um, I really liked the final episode of this drama it was so strong and i think seeing that it was like the clear pivot to go into like a second you know season or second half makes a lot of sense i was expecting him to walk out of the fire to be honest what i wasn't expecting was for her to gut him like a shrimp on a cocktail right and we got the foreshadowing earlier so i should like he literally tells her if you get your powers back turn your sword on me and she did i want to be the first one and so i was still like (laughs) 
<gasps> and then like damn it the foreshadowing but because <gasps> like and, oh that was hard and the way he comes yeah. out of nowhere and like shields oh. her from the arrow yeah that had that yeah. had killed her last time yes because that's why she had to shift was because Pak Jin hit her with that like ice yep. arrow thing and that's why she had to shift because she was gonna die oh my god mm-hmm. And can I just say one thing? I, so episode, was it like 18 or 19? Where that's when like the queen gets exposed. So they're like in the royal or they're in like the hall there. The queen gets exposed and then her brother uh, stabs himself. Mm-hmm. I was in the car in a parking lot. My daughter had hockey practice. So she was like in the like building, whatever. And I was like, oh, I have work to do. That's what I told her. <laughs> But I was in my car watching Alchemy Souls. So I'm in the parking lot alone. It's like really windy outside. The wind's like blowing against the car. And so I'm watching this. I screamed out loud when he stabbed himself. Screamed like Mm -hmm. in my car. I'm not exaggerating. I was like, I had clapped. And then I clapped my hand over my mouth. Like if anyone was watching me, they'd be like, what is wrong with her? Um, I sent Amy this like shrieking (laughs) voicemail, this shrieking voice message, just losing it. I was like this. And that's the thing. Like I, uh, I was so entertained. And actually, we didn't mention that episode 20 was basically the Red Wedding. Yeah. Really going Game of Thrones. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of similarities, but this is better. This Mm -hmm. is better. The stone face. This is better. All right. We are so short on time, but I just want to give a quick shout out to Zoe because Zoe, our, our Buyan, our Buyan impersonator, who I loved her and she's she's in season two. We get to see more of her. I loved her, but I'm looking at her, I'm like, why? Why does she look so familiar? Like what? you know somebody from every from everything, right? But I'm like, I couldn't place it. And then I'm looking at her list of dramas that she's been in and I and I see that she was in business proposal and I'm like, No. No, she I have no chingu and she is I have no I have no chingu. You know I have no chingu. I am one minute years old. <laughs> <in that. laughs> Amy, Amy messaged me and told me because I didn't know either. I was like, how do I know her? And again, she played like completely like different. It was crazy. So I, let me just say, Zoe, that character is a perfect example of why I love this drama so much because her motivations were like very clear and you didn't like her at first. Um, you know, she wants to survive. She's had like a really rough life. Clearly, she's kind of like a swindler and a thief to, to stay alive. But she got swept away in this like evil plot. And she didn't really want anything to do with. I mean, she was like kidnapped and almost like forced into it. Basically, if she didn't do it, they would have killed her. And like, then, but then they give her this like sympathetic arc where she's basically in love with Soyol, which who wouldn't be? And that's when I started to like kind of, (sighs) she almost had like that Anoju thing with me where I was like, well, now, like, I don't want her to die. I want her to be punished a little bit, but like, oh. She's got a good arc in in part two. She's got a good, she's trying her best. Yeah, she's trying her best, you know. I'm shipping her. I'm shipping her. I am too. So I just, I, anyway, I just like the, what they did with her character is what they did with a lot of other characters and why I liked it so much. So is it safe to say that we all love this drama? We talked about it for two yes. hours in six minutes. Yes. We've never talked about, well, we did like part, part two. two. We did you know double what? deep dives in the beginning. You, you know what though? One thing that, Sarah and Grace were talking about. They're like, we loved when they did like they missed our double D- our double they missed, episodes. Yeah, because we did two episodes on Healer. We did two episodes, and I thought to myself, you know, yeah, like we should maybe. Well, th- this is basically two episodes. We could have split this up. We did not. Well, but we're gonna do we're gonna part do two. part two. But I feel like we we went full writer nerd tonight on Alchemy of Souls because it deserved it. 
And even going full writer nerd, we can still say that something was done well, even if there are some strong coincidences yeah, I don't care. and sperm with soul backpacks. <laughs> just imagine them. I want somebody to draw us fan art. I want to see a sperm with a soul backpack. I just, I just imagine them that they have like, it's like going to be a glowing like backpack. The, and they're like the kindergartners with like the really big backpacks because they're tiny little sperm, you know, the big kindergartners who are like off to school and they're. Yeah. Each sperm is out there with their father. And it's like so patriarchal too. It's, they're all there with their father's soul. Like, they, like, what? What? I know. I know. It's crazy. Anyway, I'm. Uh, this was a long one. Thanks for sticking with us. I loved it. I love talking about it. I'll talk about it more as long as you don't come at me with mm-hmm. any sort of hate because you're not going to yuck this yum. Yeah. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> you're entitled to your opinion, but do not try to convince me. If you didn't love this yeah, drama- that is okay. I did. Mm-hmm. And totally. you will never change my mind. That's And don't try. Just don't try. Don't try. Just be like, I'm glad you loved it, guys. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad it brought Just you like, joy. You know what? Mingyugi, Augusty, Sugar's releasing an album. Don't be sad that I'm gonna talk about it. Yeah. Just be happy that I'm happy. Yeah. And I'll be happy for you when you're happy. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you all. Okay. Yeah. We'll be back. Yeah. But now mm-hmm. we will say thank you for listening. Annyeong. <laughs> all right. So, hey, everybody. This is Leah. And I'm sitting here with uh, a very special guest at the moment who is my husband, Nick. Nick, say hi. Hi. So, I've asked Nick if he would be game enough to feel the question I have for him. He doesn't know the context of this question, but it is very connected to a key point of, uh, you know, debate that we're having over alchemy of souls. So, Nick, this is the context. Let's say someone swapped souls with you. So, an old crusty boss in the past basically makes a deal with you and says, you know, as my employee, I need you to swap souls with me for a week because I'm old and I'm dying and I just want to live in a healthy body for a short amount of time. So being a giver, you say, yes, you can take over my body. So the king, in this case, takes over a character's body. So imagine this person that is in control of your body and then comes home and decides the whole motivation I've had to swapping into your body is to hit it with me. <laughs> so your body hits it with me, with someone else's soul inside of you, and gets me pregnant. Do you consider that child to be yours? Yes or no? <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess what you want plays a lot into this. Like, are you- I'm dead. I give birth to the baby and die immediately. And I also didn't necessarily know, I had no idea that, like, I thought I was just humping you. And then I get pregnant and I die. Okay, so you're not a part of this no. deal. Then, but it have. wait, do I, what's my choice? Your choice is, do you accept the child that I carried and birthed as your own? No. Or not? No. So even though your DNA is 100% that child's DNA... I'm not sure. <laughs> I need you to figure out an answer. This is a black and white world. Um, and you're dead. 
Yeah, but me being dead is like the side point. Is that child your child? Will you accept it as your child? Or will you be like, that is a bastard? No, it's my child. It's got my DNA and it'll be. And I'll, if I raise it, it, yeah, it'll be mine. So you feel like you would just honor it as yours, even though your boss is... Is my boss still around? Is he going to come visit on the weekends? <laughs> no, he's not asking for paternity, but he is. He does want to make it known that that will be his heir. <laughs> <laughs> now you keep changing the rules. <laughs> sure, why not? I could. I mean, I could adopt any any old child under the right <laughs> circumstances. Why is this any different? Because you might feel a little bitter about the circumstances. But in things of that I would feel bitter about in life, where on this, in that spectrum, this isn't really. So I guess yeah, less morals, more science. Accurately speaking, do you feel like that is your child or a bastard? Yeah, scientifically, it's mine. <laughs> Socially and emotionally. <laughs> Socially and emotionally, I still haven't figured that out. <laughs> All right, thank you for your time, Doctor Holmes. <laughs> okay, so this is Megan. And I am here with my husband, Neil. So, Neil, say hi. Hi. Okay. Okay, so Neil, here's the deal. We, in the drama we covered, so the podcast that we talked about last night, it's called Alchemy of Souls. Okay? So there's soul swapping. Okay? Okay, so listen. So say someone, like, I don't know, let's say like an old boss. That's the scenario that Leah used. An old boss swapped souls with you. So he's in your body. So it's your body, but it's his soul. And the only reason he's doing that is because he wants to bang me and impregnate me, Megan. Okay? So it hap- I happen to be ovulating, just luckily. And I get pregnant. Is that your, your baby? Or is that your boss's baby? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? It's an interesting scenario. I know. Like, what? what <laughs> what's your definition of a, like, what definition of a soul? Like, well, what do I? Well, correct. I mean, it's your body, so theory, theoretic, theoretically, That's whatever. <laughs> It's like your, is it your sperm or like, is it your soul? I would go the scientific DNA route. Okay. <laughs> so, so would you accept that, except I'm dead now. I died in childbirth. So would you accept that baby and raise it as your own? Because it was your body. And what if, and what if the boss is like, no, no, it's my baby because my soul was in it. Was it, my soul was in your body, so it's my baby. Would you be like, no, because it's my baby? How's he still connected to the soul? Like, what's the, how's he still like? Well, he then went back to his old body because you were in his old crusty body while he was banging me in your hot body. So, was... <laughs> so the souls swapped back? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So the souls swapped back. So now you're back in your body. I'm dead, but there's a baby. And he's trying to say it's his. So would you be like, no, it's mine? Because it was my. My swimmers? Your swimmers? <laughs> I'm saying your swimmers. Um, and so, sorry, what's the, what's the question at this point? <laughs> if I would accept this? Yeah, like, would you be like, no, it's my baby? Um, 
I suppose so. <laughs> I don't. I, I guess so. I don't know. I don't. I don't think this is a very likely scenario. Okay. So not really giving it that much deep thought. Okay. Thank you, Neil, for your insight. Kamsamnida. Thank you for listening to Afternoon of Delight. Where can you find us outside the pod? Head on over to afternoonadelight.com. That's A-F-T-E-R-N-O-O-N-A-D-E-L-I-G-H-T.com. You'll find links to all our social media, our book recs, K-pop and K-skincare recs, and if you want even more Afternoon of Delight, because really who doesn't, you can join our Patreon, where you can choose the patron level that's right for you. Join in daily K-drama conversations, listen to bonus podcast episodes just for patrons, and participate in our monthly live K-drama support group via Zoom. We can't wait for you to be a part of the community. Until next time, annyeong!